The love of God and His grace, peace, and mercy be upon you on this third Sunday after the Epiphany, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Mark your calendars, because September 22nd and 23rd of this year is the Northwest Flying Saucer Film Festival in Chehalis, Washington. Okay, who wants to go? Good. A couple of you like movies about flying saucers. Look, I'm sure they're going to show the 1953 classic, Invaders from Mars. Do you remember that one? It was in color, right? 1953. And this is where the, the young boy discovers that there's a fl flying saucer in his backyard buried under the ground and that the Martians are slowly taking over the people in the town through mind control and the boy's parents. Yeah, it's, uh, the movie was really a, a statement uh, against communism. Well, geez, I mean, what movie of that era wasn't a statement against communism? When you're a Christian, however, you discover that the Scriptures, your Bible, which shape your view, your worldview, and your faith, and that you put your trust in as the truth of God's Word to you and the whole world is loaded with alien invasions. Not aliens from other planets, obviously, but aliens right here on Earth. Aliens such as the Persians, the Philistines, the Canaanites, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and the Egyptians, and on and on. They, they were alien people to the Israelites. On the other hand, the Israelites were alien people to those nations I just mentioned. And a preacher like me cannot emphasize enough the xenophobia which existed in the times of the prophets of Israel and even the time of Jesus. Life on earth back then was very tribal and very dangerous if you ventured into lands that weren't your own. And this has continued even to this day. I mean, think about the islands in the Pacific Ocean, right? Which just two centuries ago, the British would explore, and when they would land on one of these islands, they would immediately be attacked by the natives. Or even just 70 years ago, Baptist missionaries who flew their little airplane into the dip depths of the Amazon jungle to reach a, a tribe of people who had never had any contact with any other humans. No sooner these guys get out of their airplane, they're speared to death by the chief and his warriors. I mean, you know, you may travel the world today and find most countries and most people will tolerate your presence among them. But if you keep traveling long enough, you'll eventually wander into some land where you'll be seen as a threat to the locals simply because you're not one of them. It'll happen. That's the kind of world our God speaks into through His prophets. And it's also the world in which He acts, in which He acts, God acts, as the invader. Our Old Testament reading today would normally have been from Isaiah, where that prophet gives a gloomy declaration of anguish for the lands of Zebulun and Naphtali. God had contempt for His people Israel because they had forgotten Him. And so He raises up armies in nearby Assyria to the north and Babylon to the east to invade these lands first and punish Israel. 
So think of Zebulun and Naphtali like southern Washington State and northern Oregon. They share a border. They're beautiful, fertile areas. But they're vulnerable to invaders. <laughs> Xenophobic invaders at that. Conquering armies and military incursions. This, I mean, this runs through the Hebrew portion of your Bible from the moment the Israelites arrive in the promised land to the time of the last prophet, Malachi, speaks 400 years before the birth of Jesus. That's probably why a lot of people don't read their Old Testament, particularly the history of Israel, the kings, the judges, you know, the books of, some of the books of the prophets. It's just got too much war and invasion going on in it. But Jesus even mentions Zebulun and Naphtali in the gospel reading that you just heard because he enters into these lands and spends the majority of his earthly ministry there making these areas glorious and bringing light into these dark areas with his miracles of healing and his teachings. Alien, in alien invasions into Israel and the alien intervention by God into this world are great learning tools for you and I to be shaped into the people of God who are more aware of the problem of sin in this world and with us. And that God has intervened in history to solve this problem of sin. He came from outside this world into it. An alien intervention, so to speak, as it were, though he's not from Mars or another planet, Nevertheless, he deals with us by, by becoming one of us from the outside. It's at this point in this message that I prepared for you that some friends from church came over to our house to pick something up, and we began to chat and catch up with, on things, and the next thing you know, we're having a, a few glasses of Oak Knoll Niagara and eat takeout from the new Indian restaurant here in Sherwood. So the rest of what I'm going to say to you is fueled on a few glasses of wine and some lamb biryani. <laughs> I, I had planned on changing this Old Testament reading ahead of time, nevertheless, but I changed, I changed it today from Isaiah to Nahum, Nahum, who we never hear from in the three-year three rotation. But Nahum is a minor prophet, meaning that his scroll is brief. It's short. It's not as brief as Obadiah's, who we heard from last Sunday. His doesn't even have any chapters. Nahum's got three chapters, but it's still short. Now, for those of you who remember their days in Sunday school as a child, Nineveh, whom Nahum speaks about, Nineveh is that big bad city in, in, uh, from Jonah. God wanted to destroy Nineveh in the days of Jonah, for their wickedness. And he sent Jonah there as a prophet to warn them. And Jonah didn't want to go. You remember the story, right? And in the end, because of Jonah's oracle against the people of Nineveh, they repented. And God relented. And everyone lived happily ever after. Well, that is until 200 years later and a couple generations later. Jonah is long since dead. And the city of Nineveh, one of the largest cities in the world at that time, about 600 years B.C., lies within the Assyrian Empire. 
And these people are not God's people. They're not Israel. Yet God interacts with this pagan nation more than once. The first time with Jonah, he relents in destroying them. But this time in Nahum, God has used the Assyrian Empire to punish Israel with invading armies and wars and such. And now he's going to destroy the army which he raised to punish Israel. <clears throat> it's as if God had said to the Assyrian Empire, you know, I'm going to raise you up and I'm going to use you as an axe to, to punish my people. And after he does that, he looks at the axe and says, lousy axe, and he throws it away into the fire. It's, it's weird, <laughs> you know. Well, if you're an Assyrian or a pagan, that's one thing. But you and I are Christian. We follow Jesus, who comes from this line of prophets and this history. So when we hear this oracle from Nahum, we can grow closer to our God because we can know him more through this prophet. For instance, did you know God is a fiery, passionate, devout, devoted committed, dedicated, eager, enthusiastic, wholehearted, vigorous, energetic God? Were you aware of this? I don't know. I mean, sometimes Christians, we seem to think God is, oh, he's kind of out there, doesn't really do much. He's spoken to us in his word, but other than that, oh, we don't really know much about... No, he is all these things that I just mentioned. Because Nahum says he is zealous and zealous assumes, that word assumes all these other things. Did you know our God takes vengeance on his enemies? He does. Nahum says he stays angry with his foes. I wouldn't want to be his foe, would you? I think most of us are comfortable with the statement that God is patient and his strength is great. That's, yeah, we can agree with that. But it might be a little uncomfortable to hear that he won't let the guilty go unpunished. It also might be a little unsettling to visualize God working in this, in the, in this world in a manner akin to a whirlwind and a storm. In other words, according to Nahum, God has clouds of dust around his feet because he's, he's here on earth doing things in a zealous manner. <laughs> he's, kicking thing, he's kicking the dust up. He's stirring things up. We're making a big deal today about drought here in the West and climate change and all that, but apparently to the people of 7th century B.C., Nineveh and Israel, we haven't seen anything like what they've experienced. God makes the sea dry up. He dries up the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. These were two lands in Lebanon, a little further north and west of Zebulun and Naphtali, but they were very similar in that they were beautiful, fertile lands. Nahum says, God will make them into wasteland. The blossoms of Lebanon wither. <clears throat> he makes earthquakes in the mountains where the Boulders and rocks come tumbling down onto the cities and hills, and the hillsides fall away like the side of Mount Helens did in 1980. He makes the earth heave. He makes the world and all who live in it heave. I mean, it's scary. Who can take it? 
Who can survive God's anger when the people of the land that we're living in fall out of favor with God because of their prostitution to false gods and idols? No one, no one can survive it. But notice, only seven verses into this distressing news, the prophet makes a complete 180 and says, but the Lord is good. <laughs> well, that's a relief. Because if you and I were left with verses 1 through 6 and that were it, man, we would know God like Martin Luther knew God. Believed that God was nothing but wrath and anger. But Luther came to believe that God has good news, that He is good, that He is loving and compassionate on account of Jesus Christ. Christ makes God a fortress when you're in trouble. He takes care of those who trust in Him. And we need to believe and hold on to that more now than ever and never let it go. God used the Assyrians from Nineveh to invade and destroy Israel for her idolatry, and when he was done with the Assyrians, he destroyed them. God invaded this world with his son Jesus Christ, not to destroy, but to spread a radical new message of love, forgiveness, and compassion to a sinful, xenophobic human race. <laughs> xenophobic, meaning we don't like anyone who's not like us. Right? That, that's how the human race is, unfortunately. No matter how, how much we try and change it, that's just the way we are. But eventually, you know, when, when Jesus does return, He will destroy the earth at that time. But in the meantime, the Holy Spirit sent forth from Jesus has invaded you and me, right? Not to destroy us, but to live in us and to change us from within to be more like Christ. To give you faith and strength to live your days in love and service to other people regardless of their nationality or race, thereby also doing the same for Jesus. See on the mountains the feet of one bringing good news, announcing peace, Nahum says. It's not clear who he is speaking about here. Is it himself? Is he the one walking along the hills of Lebanon, Judah, Israel, announcing this good news? Or is it another prophet? One of the other prophets? Or is it an allusion to John the Baptist who will come? Spreading the good news? Or will it be Jesus Christ? Or all the above? It could be. Either one of them or all the above. Which comforts us and assures us to celebrate our festivals. Which for us today is this service. And all the ones to come. So may it be so for you. May you hang on to the word of Christ and may it keep you safe and secure in his fold through all time. Amen.